Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. I was just going to say the SLP Corner episode. (laughs) Welcome back. It's Monday morning, and I'm so excited to have Courtney back on my podcast this week. A quick summary of Courtney's experience and what she, the areas she works in. She's an early intervention SLP. She also works in a private practice where she serves children five and up. She has um, her private practice website is speakoutslp.com based out of Eugene, Oregon. And she has some pretty cool services there that she offers like autism dating and professional development. So make sure to check that out. And like I mentioned previously, when she came on, make sure you check out her Say What blog. And yeah, with that, welcome back to the podcast, Courtney. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back. (laughs) Yeah. So today we're just talking about the importance of language, ways we can better support children's language development. And we're just going to have a quick SLP Corner snack episode on this topic. So to begin with, why is language important? Why does it matter? Can we talk a little bit about speech versus language and just make sure before we dive in, we're all on the same page? Sure. So speech is one mode of communication that involves talking. And so speech falls under that big umbrella term of language. So language is everything, listening, speaking, reading, writing, thinking, Um, and language is essentially the foundation of everything that we do in life. Um, It's it's how we learn, it's how we grow, it's how we connect with other people, so language is the heart of our roles as SLPs, and it's why we should be really focusing all of our attention. Mm -hmm. Okay, I couldn't agree more. What are some things that can be done to better support children's language acquisition? I think that when we talk about our roles as SLPs, we tend to focus, of course, on the S and our articulation areas. And and that's such an easy, easy area of focus because it's so measurable. You know, I can decide if a kid is, you know, accurate in making an S sound. And so that's a natural area that we tend to get comfortable in, whereas language is complex. It's abstract and it takes a lot more work and it can't be all on us. So you know, the best way of supporting our families, our students is to collaborate and consult and really work closely with everybody who who plays a part and be at the table with other educators when it comes to supporting language acquisition and development. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more with that. Like we really need the team. It's so cliche to be like, we need a team-based approach. We need, but it's like, it's true. We need everyone to be on the same page with the goals we're working on. If we're just the ones working on language and no one else knows what's going on or knows how to support children with this area, it's not going to do a lot. Yeah. And I think that's been kind of a huge part of, you know, in our previous episode, we talked about the fallacy of what we do and and the idea of staying in your lane as the speech teacher and, and what people think of us as, you know, they're, they're very comfortable with us coming in you know, pulling out a student, going back to our office, and, you know, somehow we magically fix these kids and send them back like, ta-da! And and that's just not truth, and that's not how it should be, and especially when we're talking about language, you know, we're a drop in the bucket. So anything we do, whether it's your, you know, an hour a week, uh, you know, two hours a week of you doing any type of language therapy, is just that, you know, think of the entire day that that child has who struggles with language. And 
and, and we're, and we're the ones who are trained in this. So I always found it kind of funny when it comes to writing goals where it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to write a goal. My kid's going to be successful in meeting this goal because I know what they need to do to be successful in understanding language and how I can control the environment to make sure their language is going to grow. But that does no good for the child if I'm the only one on their team who knows those skills. So it ultimately comes back to that team approach where it's, if I can teach five other people in that child's life who are the most critical players in his, his or her world, what those strategies look like, what that child really needs to, to understand life, then that child's going to be 10 times better off than seeing me once a week in my little office. The consultation is often a missing piece. And it's like, if you do any, like if that's why parent coaching and EI is so important, because if you just see that little child once a week for 45 minutes, and then they're at home all week, it's like, they're barely going to remember what happened the next time I see them. It's so yeah. important that everyone's on the same page with how to support these children, because once a week or maybe twice a week, that's just not enough. Yeah. And I think once you get into that school age level, you know, the, that wonderful practice of that parent support level just drops off, you know, and then all of a sudden we're on an IEP and, you know, then teachers are wondering, you know, what is, what are we going to do? This kid can't handle it, you know, and, and what are you going to do? They need more time. They need more time. And, and really it's like, no, they don't need more time with me. I need more time with you. And so already we have blooming caseloads and it, and, and we can't possibly support all of these kids in a one-on-one -on -one session. Um, but what we really need to be thinking about is how can administrators support us in our roles um, so that we can have time that is valuable and meaningful with teachers and other educators, because it's not just one kid who's in their classroom who struggles with language. It, it's nine times out of 10, you know, there's about five to 10 kids in there. So what we do is support all kids. And so if we can support that teacher in knowing tips and tricks and other strategies, understanding how to analyze their curriculum and how to, how to change it so that it's gonna be um, you know, understood by all of those kids, then we're really gonna make change and, and see growth in, in learners much more than us just taking those kids for a little bit of time out of their week. Mm -hmm. I love how you said, I don't need more time with them. I need more time with you. It's such, yeah. that is like such a good summary of what we really wanted to share. Cause it's like, we need to be discussing these things, consultating with our fellow professionals and making sure everyone's on the same page to support these children. Absolutely. Okay. So what are some common misconceptions among certain populations when it comes to receptive versus expressive language? I would say the biggest misconception has to do with the area of autism. And I think primarily when you talk about students or neurodiverse learners who have, are primarily nonverbal, um, you know, I think the misconception is that the nonverbal language represents the receptive language. So expressive skills must match receptive skills. And then we tend to put these kids in a box and we assume that, you know, oh, they can't talk, so they must not understand. And I would say that tends to be the biggest misconception, whereas on the contrary, you know, 
those kids are with it. They're understanding so much more. And we really do a disadvantage when we don't put in the, the appropriate strategies, supports. We don't capitalize on those intelligence and their areas of interest and build functional communication so that they can be part of the classroom, part of their daily lives. And, and they can contribute so much more if we were to put in place the necessary expressive supports that they require. Yeah, so what are some like takeaways for SLPs listening like to try to better support these children and then also just in general from this episode like what are just a few a few things that we could try to do differently. I would say always assume more and presume the best when it comes to kids who are struggling with expressive language. You know, it is not an indicator of receptive skills. So, you know, all of us know far more than we can get out, regardless if we have a, a disability or not. So being able to plan for that and think about functional communication is, is key. So aim high and know that we're going to get there. Um, and then also just being able to branch out and think about not your, not as a pullout type of service, but how you can get in and support adults with children is, is huge when it comes to language. Presume competence. Don't just assume that because a child's not speaking that they have nothing, that they're, they don't have any complex ideas or thoughts or wants or interests. So I think this topic's really important. Totally. I'm so glad you could come on for another podcast episode. Um, just quickly, where can people find you if they're like, oh my God, I want to hear more about what Courtney has to say. <laughs> yeah, you can always hit up my website at speakoutslp.com. You can also email me speakoutservices at gmail.com. Okay, and make sure you check out her say what, say what, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Well, I'll see everybody next Monday. Thanks, Shannon.